Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Future Golf is Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and of course, the all-important Golf Australia handicap. The best part though, the price. For 19th Tee listeners, you can get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code the 19th Tee. So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, Look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join. And don't forget to use the 19th T promo code for a huge 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. Welcome back to the 19th T podcast. Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy with you for another week. Drewster, good to be back in person. It is three weeks in a row. Chalk it up, Patrick. We're uh, experimenting tonight as well. We're sitting on the couch. (laughs) Uh, and sitting on the couch so good to have the couch cushions here surrounding the microphone if it's sounding uh you know a lot better you'll know why yeah i mean look that's the benefit and and the downfall of what we're doing tonight uh i mean we won't know until we completely get through the next hour it could sound absolutely dreadful what won't what won't be what won't be dreadful (laughs) as we neatly segue out of that is this week's uh Ale, thanks to the good folks at Gage Roads Brewing, WA's premier independent brewery for more than 15 years, named after the strip of ocean that separates Rottnest and Fremantle. Uh, I've gone with the sidetrack, the all-day XPA, a little bit lighter, just mm. a 3.5% right in my, uh, right my swinging zone. It is right in your swinging zone, and it's a fantastic beer, one of the best little mid-strengths on the market at the moment, I reckon, that you can possibly get. So uh, thank you, Gage Roads. Now, Druids, the Wyndham Championship has just wrapped up, uh, of course, and, and we've just also started a new little tradition, throwing out some questions uh, for the listeners. What would you like answered? Where would you like us to take the episode and wrapping up the weekend's action? And rather than wait, mm. uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes into the episode to, to cover the questions, uh, we had a, a, a one put to us from a Brockster. Yeah. Brockster 001. Uh, which I think is the perfect way to start this week's wrap of the Wyndham because it's probably what an awful <laughs> lot of people were wondering to themselves uh, following the result. What was Brockster 001's question, Drew? So a little graphic of uh, Jim Herman uh, winning the Wyndham Championship up on, on the gram with the question out. Uh, Brockster has responded, who is he? Um, so spot on Brockster. <laughs> and I think as I said, many people would have been sitting there going, Jim Who, the yeah. Herminator, the Trump's boy. It is breaks Trump's through boy. for his third PGA tour victory. Yeah, it's quite remarkable actually. Uh all after the age of thirty-eight, um, as I'm sure you'll elaborate on. But really fired on all cylinders today. Seven under sixty-three to to win the Wyndham Championship, obviously. Billy Horschel was there or thereabouts for, for much of the day, went ahead of him on the seventy. 70th, 71st hole, 71st I wrote down with a birdie and uh, yeah, lifts the trophy and what is, I mean, what is the Wyndham Championship in many many respects? It's a bit of a nothing tournament in a lot of ways considering we came off the highs of the PGA Championship last week into uh, whatever the Wyndham Championship is plus uh, getting into the FedEx Cup playoffs uh, this week. It was um, it was all it was all a bit much happening this week. Well, you ask what the Wyndham Championship is, and, and, and really, you, you summarised it well. It's your final opportunity to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, really. Yeah. But to his credit, you can only play what's in front of you and beat mm-hmm. what's in front of you. Uh, you know, his, his, his previous win prior to the Wyndham was the Barbasol. So, again, probably not one of the uh, red-letter tournaments on the schedule. But... Uh, Jim Herman, you're right, Drudes. Uh, I do have a little stat here, courtesy of our good friend Justin Ray, our Justin <laughs> Ray Golf on Twitter. The third co-host. Yeah, friend of the podcast. <laughs> on a clip every time he gets his name mentioned here at uh, the 19th tee. Great little stat today. Uh, first player since the 2004-05 season 
to win his first three PGA Tour victories after the age of 38. So late bloomer. Very. Uh, people might wonder as well why I call him Trump's boy. Explain. Uh, so prior to uh, making a name for himself, albeit a small one on the PGA Tour in recent years, he was working in the pro shop at Trump at Bedminster mm. in New Jersey uh, and has played, uh, as it turns out, that's one of the president's favourite um, courses of the many in his portfolio. And as we do know, he spends more time on the course than he does in the office, uh, which is probably for the best for the country, to be fair. Uh, but he did spend and does spend a lot of time at, at, at his Bedminster course in New Jersey, where he struck up a bit of a friendship with, uh, with Jim Herman and has been somewhat of a, a backer and supporter of Jim Herman. So was all, it was actually one of the only coherent tweets of his in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, his, his congratulately treat to... Jim Herman today. Uh, and funnily enough, as it turns out, uh, prior to Jim Herman's um, previous two victories on the PGA Tour, he had in fact played a round with Donald Trump mm. in either the week or fortnight leading into those victories. Uh, and in a strange twist of fate, he had his last round with the president just three weeks ago. So um, has, you know, call it a coincidence, although I don't believe in them, um, has, has played with the president uh, in the lead up to each of his three victories on the PGA Tour. Well, I imagine then his phone is going to be running hot. Mm. Trump's phone will just be running hot. And uh, I mean, look, he's, he's, uh, who knows where his brain's at at the moment, but um, he might ever. Might, yeah, yeah. Really? We're not going to get into it. Let's not it to the moment. Let's not go down that how road. Many, how many golf courses does Donald, Donald Trump slash the Trump organization own worldwide? I've just Google. I was going to say international or on, on, on American Both soil? combined. Because uh, oh. there was one uh, tournament played there at Trump Turnberry. Yes, there was. This week, which and, we'll get to later. Uh, not, not all that long ago on the European Tour, Trump uh, Dunebeg as well on the west coast of, of Ireland. Look, I'm reticent because I feel like the last two or three times where you've asked me to guess something, <laughs> I've shot Low way point. over. No, like, you weren't that. What did I ask you last week? I can't remember. I, I, there was a career tour um, money earnings was one a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who the person was, but I, I well and truly overinflated their self worth. <laughs> All right, spit me a number. Come on. Uh, worldwide Trump courses uh, in the 30s? 17. Okay. I'm getting closer. <laughs> getting closer. That's only double. You know, that's, not, that's not terribly far. Yeah, there's just a fun tidbit of, tidbit of information. Uh, on, uh, on Donald Trump. This is we, the most we've ever spoken about that, man. Yeah, we digress and, and, and we'll bring that to a quick close. Hopefully <laughs> we don't speak about him too much more Correct. often, but hard not to when it comes to Jim Herman. Drew, you, you mentioned uh, 64 today. It was 60, no, it was 63 today, sorry. <laughs> closing, closing 18 of 63. He had a 61 yesterday mm. for a combined closing 36 hole score of 124. Uh, two reasons I mention this. It comes just a week after uh, we mentioned Colin Morikawa. His closing 36 holes of 129 at the PGA Championship was a PGA Championship record. Mm -hmm. Jim Herman's gone five shots better to tie the all-time record for closing 36 hole scores in PGA Tour history. Yeah, it's phenomenal golf when it counts, really, isn't it? That's uh, 61-63. I mean, I mean, look, he wasn't playing bad golf on the first two days either. He was five under through the first two days and uh, then just really hit his straps coming into the, into the final two days. But uh, what, a, what a week to, to uh, I suppose, have that little record attached to his name as well. Especially when you consider the juxtaposition, Drew. Mm. Uh, last Sunday, he did in fact play. Did he? He made the cut. <laughs> At the PGA Championship, he played weekend golf at the PGA Championship, and we uh, just just a week ago in this very room on this very podcast got carried away, Drew, <laughs> with uh, the the final round seventy four of uh, four time major champion Brooks Kepka. Mm. Uh, you know, said what a collapse, what a fall from grace. Mm. Well, there was in fact one other player, only one other player that had a worse round on Sunday than Brooks Kepka's seventy four. <laughs> was it Jim Herman? Who do you think that was? Was it Jim Herman? Jimmy Herman, 75 <laughs> oh, last really? Sunday. Had a 75 last Sunday. And wow. Literally a week later, he is a one-stroke winner for his third PGA Tour victory. So if that doesn't illustrate 
uh, the unique nature of golf and the difference that a week can make, a, a day, an hour, a shot can make in this game. Uh, incredible to know that he had the worst final round score at the PGA Championship a week ago and he's now a winner uh, uh, at the Wyndham. It's quite phenomenal, really. I mean, look, that's, uh, that's golf, hey? Swings and roundabouts. I mean, just going through the the leaderboard, I actually don't have a hell of a lot on Jim Herman, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure you've probably got a couple other things I've that you'd just, like well, to have. Well, just one final one, really, that I wanted to mention. Actually, I've got two things. So, so well, let me go. Two. Yeah, let, yeah, that's that's not <laughs> unlike you. Just a couple of afterthoughts. Um, my probably my, my final observation. I thought the coverage, and I don't know how much of it you saw, but it was, uh, and this is probably. Uh, I, I think telling of, of the networks who we um, obviously give an awful lot of uh, brickbats to on this on this podcast, but the way that they covered him uh, in the clubhouse, waiting for mm. Billy Horschel to finish, uh, was brilliant TV. Yes, which is a little unfortunate. That the best TV they can produce is someone in the clubhouse, <laughs> not on the golf course. <laughs> but it was excellent. The drama, mm. uh, the pacing. He at one stage tried to drink water from a bottle with the cap still on. He was shitting himself. Uh, he was frazzled, to say the least. Yeah. And the, the the sense of relief that was plain to see on his face when Billy Horschel um, missed the eight-foot uh, birdie putt to the left that would have sent uh, the Wyndham to a playoff uh, was was great television and great drama. So, so kudos to the network for getting uh, that, if nothing else, right from a broadcast perspective this weekend. Well, this year. <laughs> or and the last time six months. Time immemorial, really, Druids. What, what are your it's two afterthoughts just, yeah, on just Jim Herman? Two afterthoughts. Uh, he has now had as many wins as Rory McIlroy in the past 13 months. Two? Yeah, phenomenal. Which I think says more about Rory McIlroy than it does Jim Herman, to be honest. Um, and I suppose, as, as you touched on at the top, the FedEx Cup, uh, obviously, this is the impact point, uh, your last chance to make it. So Herman moved from 192 to 54th in the FedEx Cup standings and, and books his spot in the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, I believe that is the largest ever mm, jump. 138 spots or something. In a final tournament before the playoffs is, yeah. is what Jim Herman um, recorded and, and finds his way into the... Into the playoffs. So that's probably Jim Herman. That's probably our winner. Yeah. Um, uh, to, our, to our questioner, uh, I, I hope that has answered the, uh, the query of who is he. Uh, that's as, probably as best as you're going to get and as in-depth as you're going to get. Um, yeah. if, if you want, or after more information, uh, consult Google. Uh, at POTUS, the Twitter feed of uh, the President of the United States. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be a, a great biographical source of information on um, the Herminator. In amongst all the other rubbish. Yeah, does actually look a little bit like Sherman. Yeah. Uh, ironically. It does hence, a little. Hence the nickname. Shall we work our way, Druids, down the, uh, down the leaderboard just briefly? Uh, Billy, yeah. Billy Horschel, as you said. Oh, sorry. 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 One more thing yeah. from Jim Herman. Did you see the tee shot on the 72nd hole today? Uh, probably in amongst all the other 34 things. foot apex. Yeah. One of the great stingers with a driver I've ever ever seen from from a man I knew very little about prior to this weekend. So yeah. I appreciate a good stinger mm. more than most shots that are played. Um, and in a clutch situation where he had taken the lead with one hole to play and needed to produce uh, an immaculate drive off the uh, 72nd tee. Well, my negative attack angle with driver will also impress ah. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. can hit a stinger. Yeah, I can. I Stinger. Can, I can own. Yeah, yeah. In inverted commas. Uh, Jim, Jim's is a little bit more intentional than yours. Yes. Uh, Billy Horschel, as we said, put himself in a position to force a playoff 66 64 and closing rounds 65 back to back Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the eight foot birdie putt, as I said, just fell away to the left. Uh, in many respects, it was his to lose, and he, he actually went and did that. Mm. He did lose it. I, I, I suppose. Look, I mean, Billy Horschel is an an interesting, an interesting golfer. I suppose in many mm. ways, he's one of those guys that feels like he's been around for forever and a day. Um, uh, c- continues to play really well. It was just that bir- uh, that bogey, sorry, on uh, on sixteen that I suppose really cost him. If he had just ma- was able to make that par, I think that obviously would have been. 
much, much easier. And it probably would have put him in a playoff. I mean, look, it's it's very hard to stop someone who's rampaging like Jim Herman. But uh, when things come to a playoff, who knows? It's a, uh, a very different ball game. Kevin Kisner, did you see what the Kiz was rocking on the putting green? The practice putting green prior to one of his rounds this weekend looked like two tennis balls strapped to the soles of his shoes. Yeah, fantastic. You see some truly funky shit on the practice putting green prior to <laughs> prior to rounds in the PGA Tour. I don't know what it is. It is, is it, what's with the putting green? Like, is it just the is it the experimental phase? I to, to be to be honest, I. Like I kind of draw the line at maybe the the corridor of tees or the piece of string, but you know um, Bryson's contraptions that he yes. brings with him um, to the, the the practice putting green, and now Kevin Kisner um, sporting some sort of <laughs> lunar contraption, like he's heading to space <laughs> or, or, or something on his on the soles of his feet. Um, I and this is probably why Kevin Kisner. Um, is a is a PGA Tour professional and a and a truly successful one at that. And I am sitting here in uh, the uh, living room of your self service apartment at the Mantra Hotels in South Bank, um, shooting my mouth off in a golf podcast. But show me or tell me at least how that translates to you putting well across the course of 18 holes when Balance. you can't put them on your shoes when you walk up to the green to take a putt. I would love for him to be able to do I that. Don't, I don't, I'm truly, truly, uh, I'm, I'm perplexed. I just read one of the comments and that's what I'm giggling at. Someone commented, one of the top comments was, uh, I'd rather three putt. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good from them. So. Oh, goodness great. I mean, this is a guy, you know, Three well, actually, Kevin Kisner now has as many career victories as um, as Jim Herman, funnily enough. But twenty one and a half million dollars career earnings to wear some um, tennis balls on the soles of his shoes, and that's that's the answer. That's the breakthrough that he's after. Yeah, why not? Incredible yeah. stuff from Kiz. Uh, moving on, Drudes. Um, Webb Simpson finished three shots back at eighteen under. Incredibly consistent. Uh, four days of golf, 66, 66, 65, 65 for Webb. Yeah, well, it's been an incredibly consistent season for Webb. Obviously, a, uh, a two-time winner on the PGA Tour already this year. Um, obviously, Heritage and, and the Waste Management Phoenix Open, uh, one of our favourite tournaments on on the uh, on the tour. But I mean, look, he's only he's only missed two cuts all year, which is quite phenomenal. That was one of them was the first uh, event back in the Charles Schwab and, and missed the Memorial as well. But other than that, he has been unbelievably consistent. Uh, T61 has been his worst finish at the WGC in Mexico and then T37 at the PGA Championship. Everything else aside from that has been in the top 15. So it's been uh, an unbelievably consistent season for, um, for, for Webb Simpson, who just seemingly gets better with age. I must admit I was a little surprised not to see him go on and win this weekend. Let me tell you why. Uh, I, I, you got that look in your eye that you know that I'm about to produce a stat because it's a pretty neat segue into another one of these fantastic stats that we produce on the 19th Tee Podcast. And by we produce, I mean steal um, shamelessly of somebody else who's published it. Uh, Webb Simpson... Uh, 66 66 as I mentioned Thursday Friday at that point mm. so uh, after the cut he was 146 under par at the Wyndham since mm. 2010 mm. I think I read a stat similar to that that's why I put him in my team 52 strokes better than any other player mm. in that span now he went 65 65 over the weekend mm-hmm which meant that he had 11 consecutive rounds of 66 or lower at the Wyndham. <laughs> Most rounds of 66 or lower in that event since 2010. Webb, 26. Bill Haas, 13. <laughs> so, he loves the Wyndham. How did he finish three shots back? I think he's won it before. The bloke owns the course. 146 under as of Friday. 
Yeah, it's since 2010. That's stupid. That's unbelievable. That's stupid. I think he's won it. Yeah, he has won it in 2011. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just loves by, by by a multitude of strokes. I would have thought. Probably. Webb, uh, I think Webb, I know that we're going to touch a little later briefly on um, the first round of the playoffs, the Northern Trust, but I've I, I just got a sneaky feeling about Webb and what he may be able to do. I'm not suggesting he's going to win, mm. uh, but I, I think that he will certainly be alive at the pointy end of the playoffs. Well, he's dead in the FedEx Cup rankings for, for that reason, mm. I think. Um, look, if he, if he wins one of the next three weeks or finishes inside the top, 10 and any of the next three weeks, I think it, you would be hard-pressed to find uh, someone else to make a, a, a stronger case for for player of the year than Webb Simpson. Uh, Two-time winner. Yeah. Multiple, I'm... multiple top 10 finishes. I mean, JT's the obvious one as well. Who I think will get it purely based on the fact he's won three times. And he's Justin Thomas. And he's Justin Thomas. I think that's he's a the very face nice. of... 2K20 golf, you know, he just is ultra consistent from Webb, though. Oh, phenomenal. Uh, and criminally underrated golfer, like criminally we, underrated as, golfer, as we mentioned, one of the great boring people. Oh, and 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 criminally underrated by the two hosts of this podcast because yeah. he's woefully boring. <laughs> like, he more personality out of a grip on his clubs than you would out of Webb Simpson. Couldn't but agree more. He's a very, very good player. Yes, we just yes. don't like watching him because he gives little to nothing. Uh, Jim Herman, sorry, just rounding back to Jim. Yeah. I, I, I thought I'd heard that name somewhere all week. And the, crea- <laughs> <laughs> the creative Sesame Street, his name's Jim Henson. And that's all I thought all week. I was like, is this, you know, one of those situations where it's someone's name that I'm hearing many, many times, but it's not. It's, it's, You've been watching a little bit of I mean, look, Sesame <laughs> Street flights. Why is Jim Henson's name in your brain? I don't know, just just famous people. I mean, obviously, they're a bit bored over here in Queensland. Moving <laughs> right along. Also, Who do you want to talk about next? Well, Doc Redman, if for nothing else, has suggested also an incredibly unlucky weekend. Like, again, another player who went on a bit of a run and, and put himself, I think, in a position, particularly over Friday, Saturday, 64-63, uh, to, to fall away to 68 today. But... A player who uh, wouldn't have looked out of place um, holding up the trophy at the end of this tournament, given the way he played, particularly early on. Mm, yes, uh, another interesting, interesting golfer as well. Uh, played, you know, played very well all weekend. Uh, just today, I suppose, struggled with a sixty-eight. I mean, even though that's two under par, when everyone else is shooting low sixties, it's a, uh, it is a bit tough. Um, another young gun golfer that came out of came out of college at, uh, in 2018. So very, very much uh, a, a young golfer uh, on the tour. Interestingly with Doc, um, shots gained around the green on the tour, pretty average, minus, uh, point, minus point 0.3, and that ranks him just inside the top 200. Uh, but 13th on tour for shots gained approach the green and 22nd for shots gained off the tee. So, I mean, certainly some some flashes of brilliance from Doc, but uh, has played in a lot of tournaments this year. Uh, but it seems um, seems either boom or bust for him at the moment. But went to Clemson University uh, in uh, in Carolina. Very, very good golfing school. Uh, probably more known for their football, but very, very good golfing Very, school. very good uh, athletic program, period. At Clemson. Yes, yes. Uh, speaking of boom or bust, uh, it was certainly that for uh, also in T3 at 18 under and the final man finishing at T3, Si Woo Kim. Yes. 65-65 uh, to make the cut. Uh, 62 on, uh, on Saturday was the 54-hole leader from memory. Yeah, I think so. If he wasn't, he was... Bloody close to it. Uh, and blew out the back door today with a 70. Uh, and as another one of our questioners uh, rightly pointed out, uh, the wheels well and truly fell off early on yeah. the sixth hole where uh, the commentators were on it straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir Nick was up in the booth. IBF was up in the booth. Dottie Petter was down. Uh, sorry, Pepper, not Petter. I'm getting the T's and the P's mixed up. That's only 3.5%. That's not yeah. It's good. Uh, Dottie Pepper on, on the course, uh, in unison, 
almost yelled at Siwoo Kim yeah. when he pulled the driver on six yeah. wide routes. Yeah, well, because he hadn't done it for exactly the right. first three days. What are you doing? Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, it, that question came from Braden McCubbing on, on Instagram. It wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement that Siwoo Kim <laughs> not hitting the, the Provy on the, on the sixth hole final round, lost ball equals slow play. Yes, completely agree. Uh, on but that, even, and also Braden re- raised about me not liking players playing with yellow balls. Um, but that's oh, what did he say? He just said, "Why don't I like it?" I just said, "I don't really like it." Because he's a conservative, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like it. Doesn't like change, Braden. What about when you see people playing with a green ball? That that annoys me because I'm like, yeah, green. I don't, I don't love green. <laughs> I don't love green. But it's more so the optics. I mean, like you're hitting yeah, something seems, green onto green. Stupid. Yeah, there's a reason you play. Yellow is supposed to make it easier to see. I actually couldn't care less. Green I just like I just like the white ball. It looks. Yeah, it looks Don't worry, Braden. I got your back, mate. You like the yellows. I love the yellow. I'm all about the yellow ball. I'm, you know, I'm working with blokes stuck in the fifties over here. Oh. Thought he played with Ben Hogan. Um, yes, I wish I had. Uh, yeah, that was probably a poor example because uh, many of us. Yeah, who are we talking about? Do see we Kim. So uh, Braden makes a perfectly fine point, truth, but. For me, it wasn't even about why did he not hit a provisional ball. It was why did he pull the disco stick in the first place not when, sure. like, ninety percent of players were hitting, you know, uh, a soft three wood, a hybrid, a long iron to avoid uh, the the passage of water, which I think was about two sixty two seventy from the tee. Yeah. Uh, no other player particularly today, decided to try and um, blast over the creek. This is a player who was only six holes into his final round after holding the 54-hole lead. So we're not talking about, you know, the, the 15th or 16th hole and he's two or three shots back and he has to pull a stunt like this. It made no sense at all. No, it didn't. Not nonsensical to pull the driver. No, it didn't. It didn't make any sense. Uh, and ultimately, it... It cost him. Never recovered. No, didn't. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. It was an interesting decision. It's one of those occasions where I would have loved to hear the conversation with the caddy about why the huh. why the decision was made. But uh, the mics, uh, mics weren't there for that one. Zach Johnson finished T seven at seventeen under alongside a man who we desperately want to see break through, and that's Harold Barnum the third sixty two on Thursday. He held uh, the first round lead uh, and then it was really his Friday, Saturday, 69-67 that let him down. He finished today with a 65 to finish at 17 under. But again, I mean, Harold Varner, his name, he's certainly having, I think, far and away his best and most consistent season on the PGA Tour today. He has been in the conversation, unfortunately not in the final round, but after, say, 18, 36, even 54 holes on occasion so far this season. Mm. Uh, now it's about stringing four rounds together, but he certainly catapulted himself into the conversation all of a sudden in, in the 2019-20 season. He has. Uh, he probably just hasn't played consistently enough uh, or, com- or consistently well enough to, to be able to enter that conversation. He's played played very, very well. I mean, you know, consistent scores today uh, or over the weekend, 62 obviously setting his round up, but then, you know, four, four under through uh, Friday, Saturday is probably not enough to get you really in contention. Uh, and then a good round of five under today. Uh, I, I really hope he breaks through soon because I think golf is, he, he needs someone like him to, he's got a great bit of personality. He was mic'd up. I think he did that, um, the charitable piece. There was like a, he did. yeah, it was one of those events. I can't remember, but and he was excellent there. Um, so hopefully he breaks through. Soon, Zach Johnson. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not Zach Johnson's biggest fan personally. Um, I mean, look, just at the President's Cup, he we were at a dinner, and he was the guest speaker, and the and Luke Elby was hosting it, and asked, uh, you know, Patrick Reed obviously copped a bit from the crowd today, and um, everyone started booing, and then. Zach tried to start answering the question. Everyone was sort of booing and then he just kind of spat the toys out and he was like, oh, well, I won't answer the question then. I was like, well, just come on, Zach. Like, just grow up a bit. Uh, got Anyway, he got into the uh, FedEx Cup 
playoffs, uh, moved from 129 to 104 and shot, uh, we're talking about 124 over the weekend um, from Jim Herman. Zach Johnson with 126 over the weekend. It's a pretty bloody good, uh, pretty good, pretty good uh, final two That's days. That's why he, he jumped well, into the... Yeah, essentially. Into the, into the, the FedEx. Well, he was only three under before that. To be fair, for mine, Zach Johnson peaked last year in the Masters on 13th Halloween. <laughs> um, Duffy's driver into the, into the table. Yeah, I know. Uh, and he's, he really hasn't hit a any great heights since then. I don't really like him. I mean, he's a major um, winner, so, I mean, look, he, he, he is, can play, but... He is, but the, the, the single um, funniest, uh, easily funniest moment of the 2019 year, but potentially even of golf since I've been watching it, was, was that moment of 13. Yeah. Uh, last year at Augusta National. Um, just two more names I want to mention. Drew's Patrick Reed, another backdoor top 10. Yeah. Uh, loves... <laughs> Loves a fast finish on a Sunday, does Patrick Reed? 64 today to sneak in T9 at 16 under. Uh, also at 16 under in T9, uh, Sungjae Im. Made Excellent. the cut. Back on, back on form. One week after missing the cut altogether at Harding Park, the PGA Championship. Uh, our man Sungjae, uh, the, the lonely traveller, uh, the man who is making up some, some bumper stickers all around the United States of America in the last... 18 months, he makes another cut uh, and a good finish, 16 under there. We'll be interesting to see him in the playoffs. Mm. Obviously, uh, a winner this year and a player of great promise, one that we love on this podcast. So good to see him find a little bit of form as we head into the playoffs. Now, Drew, um, I, I lied, I said two other names, three other names, uh, and the final one, Cameron Davis, the Aussie. Mm. Uh, rounds of 71 and then three consecutive 65s Finished him 14 under, T15, and cemented his place in the FedEx Cup playoffs for the very first time. So congratulations to Cameron Davis. Uh, He will join, uh, I believe, Adam Scott, Mm -hmm. Mark Leishman, Mm -hmm. Cameron Smith, Mm -hmm. Jason Day. Mm -hmm. And there is one more Matt Jones. Uh, Matt Jones. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Aussies who will contest Matt Jones finishing uh, T37 this week at the Wyndham 8-under. Um, they are the Australians contesting the playoffs. So yes, correct. Congratulations to Cam Davis, who's had a, a, an uber-consistent year. Yes. Cameron yeah. Davis and, and well and truly deserving of his spot uh, in the playoffs. And, and, and one more. I'm being a bit cheeky. I'm sneaking in some names here, but Shane Lowry, yep. uh, the defending the Open champion, uh, one of the favourites of this podcast, one of the absolute lads. He's still on our uh, cover photo on he social media. And I think he probably uh, will remain so for some time due to his uh, personality. Snuck in on the button. Mm. Uh, T23, he finished this week at 12 under. I believe he, he literally was one of the last players into the uh, into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yes, so. 131 to 122 yeah. was Shane Lowry. Uh, and then, obviously, making way, uh, Fabian Gomez. Uh, the best Fabian. Yeah. Russell Knox and uh, our man, Cowboy Chow, uh, all dropping out of the 125. <laughs> so uh, That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, the Aussies, the, the Aussie contingent will be quite good there. Obviously, Mark Leishman in 14th. Uh, Cam Smith, 30th, Scotty, 36, Jason Day, 45, and Matt Jones, 87. So uh, we're looking good for the first week at least. Uh, Barring a disaster, we should have at least four of those going through to the second week. Some big names to miss the cut again this week at the Wyndham Championship. Uh, Zach Blair. I mean, look, Zach Blair is one of those players that's a bit of a cult figure amongst the golfing fraternity, but he's yet to really produce good golf. Yeah, I, when you when, like, I, I love ZB. I got a, I got a lot of time, particularly just for his energy and mm. his passion. When, mm. when you say cult figure, um, to be fair, I think that's probably more amongst. Not that I would consider myself in this group, and probably nor you, but he's cultish amongst like golf hipsters. He's, oh, for sure. Yeah, like he's not like your, your average. Um, you know, your average swinger probably doesn't really know who Zach Blair is. No, but uh, amongst the golf hipsters, uh, he is—he is a cult-like figure, particularly yes. what he's doing with, uh, you know, the progression of of the Buck Club. If you don't yeah. know much about the Buck Club, uh, do yourselves a favour and Google it. Yeah, it is from an ethos perspective an awful lot about what this podcast is about. Ironically, 
And I think that's why we both have a soft spot for him. But you're right, uh, not necessarily... Like a player who, uh, you know, is deserving of his spot because he's shown that he is he is better than Corn Ferry to a level golfer, mm. but hasn't managed to string together the performances uh, that that turn heads at mm. a PGA Tour level. And whether or not uh, that is because of literally the other interests, you know, from his golfing professional perspective mm. um, that take up his time. But he, yeah, he's a he's an interesting. Interesting follow if you don't follow him on on particularly on Instagram. Yeah, uh, but a great I think a great personality. But absolutely to your point, not necessarily one that's seen much if any success. Yeah, over a sustained period L- of time. A little bit overhyped in some circles, perhaps. Mm. Uh, Brendan Todd also missed the cut uh, after having some some good performances. Uh, the Curie de Kepi Barn Rat. The Barn Rat was back. He was vaping away. Yes. <laughs> his first tournament uh, since since the return of golf. It was great to see the Barn Rat back. Yeah. Um, certainly hasn't trimmed down no. uh, across the break. In fact, he may have put a few on. Yeah, uh, I think he might have. He's kept that kept that John Daly-like frame that's, uh, that, that's you know, worked so well for him in the past. And I mean, you want to talk about cult figures. They don't come much larger oh, than the barn rat. No. Uh, and I think it, to, to It'd your be point, amazing. it was great to see him and the cloud of smoke that follows him around mm. uh, around the Wyndham this weekend. Uh, Nick Watney, Jim Furyk, Danny Willett, Graham McDowell all missed, as did Brooks Kepka. Mm. Uh, interesting tournament for him to miss the cut at. Uh, I just thought that he would be a lock for a top 10 finish, uh, but not to be for Brooks. Missed the cut. I think he was about two over or something. Similar. Um, that probably draws a line under the PGA Tour, unless you got any more takes from oh, the PGA. I just, I just want to touch on, I just want to touch on Brooks. Yeah. Uh, he, he shit me this week, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we spoke about him obviously last week due to not just his disappointing 74 on Sunday in the PGA Championship, given where he was and given that he is a two-time winner of that tournament, uh, the expectation that he would have contested um, a, an awful lot uh, more strongly on Sunday. Uh, that came after comments that he'd made where he singled out other players, particularly Dustin Johnson on the leaderboard to suggest that he wasn't, um, I suppose, threatened in any way by the stature of the players because he was far greater than them and that his record spoke for itself. We touched on that last week. Yeah. What what shit me this week uh, is, and this is one of my true pet peeves, whether it's in sport, um, whether it's in the media, uh, it's the people who go after, um, go after the media and say that the media are making something out of nothing, when in fact that could not be further from the truth. So... There were some follow-ups uh, to, to Brooks's comments about DJ. Mm. There were people who, who asked him, you know, is, is that not a strange thing to say about someone who you're obviously good mates with? Mm. Uh, and, and he said, uh, you, you know, uh, something along the lines of you guys make up your own stories, you overplay an awful lot of things, you've beat that up and... and to be frank, it's there's nothing there. We're not best mates, and that's something that you've created. Uh, in 2015, as was rightly pointed out um, by Luke Keir Denine, who's a great follow uh, at LKD on uh, on Twitter. Um, 2015, Brooks on DJ. We hang out a lot when we're at home. Kind of the same personality. Brooks on DJ in 2018. He's one of my best mates. I love the guy to death. This is not something that people had plucked out of thin air. This is something you are on record in saying that you have a very close, if not best buds relationship with DJ. Yeah. Pretty much the same person, great personality. I love the guy. He's one of my best friends. He, like, you can't on the one hand carve out this reputation for yourself for calling a spade a spade mm. and being the guy that cuts through the bullshit that surrounds golf and he's the common man's hero because mm. he's Brooks Kepger and he doesn't give a flying about the, you know, about the establishment. Yeah. And then on the other hand, just blatantly lie and deny <laughs> things that you've already said in the past. Same with his injuries. He's, he's not transparent or in any way consistent with what he says about whether it's his back or his knee, or now it's just, I have a non-distinct 
problem with a part of the body below the hip. Like, j just tell us what's wrong because you are this guy that holds up the fact that you call call it as you see it as one of your great qualities. Mm. And he's just gone on this really weird turn in my mind. And I don't like, I, I enjoy the stuff with Bryson. I love the fact that he lives rent free in Bryson's head. And I like the little digs like he had last week at Harding Park when he played well and said, it doesn't have to be scientific. You look mm. good, feel good, play good. Mm. I like that stuff. It's this other stuff about essentially contradicting himself that I neither understand nor respect. Like, uh, for me, it, it, it takes away from his golf and I don't really understand what he feels he gets or what of value comes of it. I don't know. I mean, he's an interesting operator at best. Uh, I, I, I don't know where Brooks is at from a, from a mental perspective, from a personality perspective. He's an, he is an odd fellow. Uh, we'll give him that. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, since, since those conversations, uh, there's, every possibility that something has happened with DJ and they're not best mates anymore. Well, we like, we know for a fact that something happened at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. There was a, uh, a dispute. Uh, many report physical uh, on the Sunday night after losing the Ryder Cup. I reckon DJ year. had fought dirty too. Eh? Yeah. Well, you can tell that about him. I, think. How <laughs> I reckon he'd bite. He'd be a biter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, not that we uh, want to besmirch his reputation or I receive is, any sort of uh, uh, cease and desist letters from, <laughs> from South Carolina lawyers. But look, I, something happened. Yeah. Whether or not you want to address the specifics, no, I don't think expects you to. But don't flat out deny things you've said in the past without just saying, look, we had a falling out. It's not what it used to be. And that's really all I want to say about that. Yeah. I but, think people would respect that. An awful lot more than what he's doing at the moment. Like, it's weird, to be honest. It's weird to just flat out deny things you are on the record saying in the past. Mm. It makes no sense. Yeah, I know. It is. It's very odd. But that's, uh, that's Brooks. I'm happy for that to draw a line under the PJ, too. I just had to get that off my chest. Okay. Where are we going next? Um, the US Amateur was wow, eventful. Wow, I mean, we've got some stuff on the European tour, but that's probably only pretty brief. Let's come back to that. I want to talk yeah. US Amateur. US Amateur we, do love, we do love amateur competitions, particularly given uh, we spoke last week about Gabby Ravels just falling short of defending her um, US Women's Amateur title. Mm. Of course, uh, we are uh, both members of the Appreciation Society of the reigning US Mid-Am champion, Aussie Lucas Michelle, who's a good friend of the podcast. Love an amateur competition. Love a match play competition. Yeah. How good is match play? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and to have um, amateur golf in prime time in a match play scenario on one of the best courses on mainland America, mm. like what you saw at Bandon Dunes today was unbelievable and it, it 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 is spoken like in um you know like in religious tones of people who've played bend and dunes and, and that property whether it's bend and dunes uh whether it's sheep ranch the new course there mm. like the way that it is spoken about in these in these hush tones i think was evident for all to see today not least of which with the uh, impressive fog that took over the course mm. and probably the final nine holes. But what was produced by uh, Ollie Osborne and Tyler Strafici? Strafaki? Strafici? I think it's Strafici. Uh, Italian. Unbelievable golf. I think it was something like a combined 24 or 25 birdies and an eagle mm. through 36 holes in conditions where, for those who haven't seen any of the pitches, literally, we're hitting shots and not knowing where they were landing. Yeah. I Could mean, not see the ball. Well, the, the cameraman like was following the ball. It was just this cloud of white. And then there was the ball somewhere up ahead. But uh, just on Bandon, like it is such a, um, you know, I saw a tweet that was talking about, you know how some, when someone's vegan, they'll always tell you that they're vegan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like the being vegan. You know, it's the, they will always tell you if you've been to Bandon. And I am so disappointed that when I went to school in Oregon that I wasn't more into golf at this point in time and went and I didn't get to go to Bandon Dudes because it is a phenomenal piece of property. I mean, I look at it on Google Maps and just think, like, how has anyone put a golf course 
there and to you know sheep ranch um you know a course with no bunkers mm. how it can be so fantastic is uh is phenomenal well david mcclay kid uh, is a, is a genuine genius the the architect responsible for the property uh and i i think it showed like you know i saw a great tweet earlier today drew that spoke about how in, in you know enamored people were with the final um you know particularly 18 holes of that of that final today because we're talking about two amateur kids of no profile or personality on one of the best courses in the country in trying conditions, whether it was the fog or the wind that dominated proceedings for the previous few days. Um, no airs and graces, just great golf on a great course um, with people who aren't hung up by legacies or, or reputations. It was awesome. And, and what they produced, as I said, like j- just to, not for it to be understated. So, so to repeat it, I think it was 24 birdies and an eagle in total across 36 holes from two amateurs mm. on one of the toughest courses in the country. Yeah. But the golf today was unbelievable. It was as good as it gets. It was as good as it gets. And they're, you know, look, they're both at, um, they're both at big schools over there. Um, obviously, you know, I love my college golf and, uh, yes, yeah, Strafacci is at, uh, at Georgia Tech. He's a senior over there. And um, Osborne is at Southern Methodist SMU. University, yeah, yes, which is correct. obviously the uh, alma mater of Bryson DeChambeau. And also, uh, I believe, uh, Australia's very own Steve Elkington was an SMU graduate. Yep. Yep. So SMU, big, big golfing school, obviously probably a little bit bigger in the basketball circles, but uh, it was, it was fantastic. Obviously there was plenty of controversy, which we'll touch on in, in a moment, but um, obviously Strafacci coming up with a, with a one up win over Charles Osborne and a quick nod as well to, to Jack Trent, who was the best of the Aussies yeah. uh, making it to the round of 32 lost three and two to Cameron Sisk. Uh, obviously Jack Trent is at UNLV where Adam Scott went. Uh, and Sisk was is currently at Arizona State, which is obviously a prodigious golfing uh, school. John Rahm, Phil Mickelson, and the like. Um, but also a quick nod to Lucas Michelle, uh, who played over there, didn't have the best week, uh, ended up shooting five over par to, to miss the cut. But uh, all part of his preparation for bigger things to come for Lucas. Just mention uh, a quirky little stat. Uh, so it went to 36 holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strafaki won on the on the 36th hole. Ollie Osborne had not played the 18th at Bandon in the rounds of 32, 16, 8, or 4. That's that that that's quirky to yeah. me. So the the it was the only um, I suppose it was the only fixture of his last five that had gone to that hole, and that's where he lost it. Yeah, which I found uh, found interesting. The drama, though, in terms mm. of 18, came the day before uh, in, in, in Stravaki's semi-final. Yes. Against, uh, the young Argentinian Segundo Oliva Pinto. Brilliant uh, name. Uh, he, uh, to his credit, uh, was, was the less favoured of the two in that semi-final matchup. Had pushed, mm. um, pushed it to 18, where unbelievable scenes. So... Um, on, on Strafaki's bag was his father. And he's got some incredible, uh, in, incredible golfing heritage in his family. So his father had previously played in the amateur. His grandfather had played at both the Masters and the US Open back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. So a lineage for this young man, uh, this young Georgia Tech senior, as you pointed out, uh, that has all the hallmarks of a, of a career ahead of him. Um, the young Argentinian. Uh, who had who just transferred, I believe, into the American college system. It's just far me where he's where he's committed to is Pinto. I'll find that I'm out. I'm sure that you'll Google that as I'm um, dragging this story out. He had on his bag a local looper. So a local uh, Ben and Dunes looper that he'd engaged for the week. Obviously, uh, with, with the COVID scenario, makes it harder for internationals to bring over, whether it's a friend or a regular caddy. So um, Binto had had engaged one of the local Ben and Dunes caddies uh, who had really served him well right up into the 18th, which is where their match went to, to the final hole. And and Binto pushed his approach shot into the greenside bunker. Uh, approaching uh, the, the, the shot, the caddy stepped into the bunker and tested 
the sand levels with his hand, mm. which uh, not only is wildly uh, illegal and against the rules, but for someone who, who literally their job is to caddy, I don't, I don't understand how he didn't understand how he didn't understand that wasn't okay, or maybe he did and just flouted the rules uh, on purpose. Um, Strafaji's father was over his shoulder, and as soon as he saw it. Um, called over the rules official, reported what he'd seen. And what was even more odd was the fact that the local band and caddy then um, like vehemently denied that he touched the sand. <laughs> vehemently denied. Like, no, I didn't touch it. What, what are you talking about? You didn't see his, As far as his dad was like, Mark, standing right next to you. Like, <laughs> I watched you essentially build a sandcastle. <laughs> it was the camera angle. T- testing, testing the sand. And it took for the rules officials to call in uh, a camera which was essentially a drone mm. that showed footage not only of him on bended knee in the bunker, but literally moving his hand back and forth through yeah. the sand, which was nowhere near the ball. It was it was just inside the lip of the bunker. Like he didn't even go over towards where the ball was. Mm. Uh, and, and ultimately, in match play, it's not a drop shot; it's a dropped hole, mm. which on the 18th hole cost Pinto the um, the tie, mm. and, and ultimately his place in the competition altogether. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable scenes. It really was. Uh, you know, for uh, that, that, that caddy, uh, I don't, I don't think he's been named. Um, I imagine probably won't have a job at Ben and Jews anymore. I'd suggest, I mean, like I, I think he'd struggle to show his face around the, the shack anymore. Uh, Segundo Oliver, 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 I'm assuming it's Oliver Pinto is uh, at the university of North Carolina, Wilmington. Yeah. Uh, from Argentina, I mean, geez, he's a uh, he's a good-looking South American rooster. Is <laughs> a bit of a rooster. So he'd be doing very well yeah. in North Carolina. Let I'm, me tell I you. I imagine he's studying in bed at 9pm every night. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have thought he's uh, probably one of those not before marriage young cats. Well, who knows? <laughs> I mean, what happens at UNCW stays at uh, UNCW. He'd be doing well in match play on campus. Let it me would tell be. You. Uh, anyway, the US Amateur just, uh, again, another fantastic week. I mean, look, Ben and June's just, I, I know that I, I speak so highly of it. He's one of the course, well, one of the resorts that I want to stay at uh, and play more than, more than most. Uh, I mean, look, I think I'm banned and, Pinehurst gets flouted around as being probably the home of resort golf in, in the US. The fact that it's probably just its own suburb essentially. But I think, you know, similarly with Cabot up in, uh, up in the North, uh, but Bannon Dunes, I think particularly with Sheep Ranch has really just again, taken another step forward as to why people would want to go and play there. I mean, Core and Crenshaw designs, uh, Sheep, Sheep Ranch, no bunkers, pretty, Absolutely phenomenal uh, that new new sheep ranch. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that they play uh, another tournament at Sheep Ranch. That would be amazing to see uh, some tournament golf out there. But um, that's probably all I had on the US Amateur. It was just a controversial week. Agree. Uh, great to see. As as I say, it's it's one of our favourite events uh, for all those reasons that we pointed out and many more. But uh, one we one we look forward to those amateur tournaments each and every year. So congratulations to uh, to our winner, uh, to Ostrafaki. Ostrafici, or one of the other three ways that we pronounced his last name in the last 10 minutes, Trudes. You know who we're talking about. European tour, you touched on it, Sam Horsefield. Uh, the horse. Two wins in three weeks for the horse. Wins the Celtic Classic by two shots in Wales. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty rich vein of form for old Sam, the, the horse. Um, I mean, look, for, for the Aussies, Jason Scriven and Jake McLeod both finishing T14, seven shots back, so never really in contention. Uh, Mav Antcliffe, T31, Scotty Henn, T39, and Minwoo Lee, 72nd. Zach Muzz missed the cut, didn't have the best couple of days over there in Wales. But, uh, yeah, good good form for uh, Sam Horsfield, um, who was, I, I suppose, largely unheard of until he won a couple of weeks ago. Watched a little bit of Jake McLeod as well over the weekend. He looked in good touch, which is good to see, obviously. That is good to see. Guest and friend of the podcast is Jake McLeod, the young Queenslander, the Townsville boy. Uh, He is back and playing on the European Tour. I hope to see him um, in the results in weeks to come. I just want to make mention briefly, Drew's Thomas Bjorn, of course, the Ryder Cup winning captain of the European team in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was at... 
uh, Celtic Manor uh, on Sunday, but not playing. He had just completed a charity walk from Wentworth to Wales, uh, 210 kilometres, raising money for Golf for Good initiative in uh, partnership and conjunction with UNICEF as well. So um, got an awful lot of uh, attention, uh, as it should have, uh, for him to walk the, the 210Ks from Wentworth to Wales. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, to make mention of that, a, a, great, uh, a great effort by Thomas Bjorn, similarly in Europe, Drudes over the weekend, American Stacey Lewis won the uh, the Ladies Scottish Open, mm-hmm. her 13th career victory, um, first in three years and first since becoming a mother, which I think is uh, is a phenomenal feat, uh, having, you know, uh, not, oh well, having welcomed a child into the world myself, not not doing it myself personally, but watching what my wife went through, I think for anyone to come back and play competitive golf, uh, after going through, uh, you know, bearing and then giving birth to a child is an amazing, amazing effort mm. to get back to that level of, um, you know, consistency and play a player who, you know, had won 12 times beforehand. So, you know, fair player, Stacey Lewis. Good to see her back. She had a lot to say. Um, and I think credit to her. She called out her playing partners in the last two days for slow play. It mm-hmm. was it was a blight, really, on, on an otherwise fantastic tournament. Um, it's unfortunate that that's what people are talking about rather than Stacey Lewis's victory. But credit to her, as I said, for taking the time to call it out. Um, she spoke specifically about it in the post-round media. Um, she called on the Ladies European Tour to take action. Um, we know that won't happen, Toothless Tiger. Uh, but uh, I wanted to call out Stacey Lewis because I think not just for the victory, I mean, it was clutch. She, she sunk a 20-foot putt on the first player fold to seal victory. Um, but also for her actions post in, in calling out what we know to be a blight on um, both the women's and men's game in terms of slow pay. So congratulations to Stacey Lewis. Quirky fact, Roots. Uh, first time since 2014 that an American woman has won three consecutive weeks on uh, the ladies' uh, right? European and PGA Tour. Obviously, Daniel Kang, mm. back-to-back winner. Um, also, she only missed the playoff by one shot. Yeah. She's in... Red hot form. She's caught fire in, in the last three or four weeks as Danielle Kang. She has. But yes, the first time in, uh, what's that, six years since an American woman has won three consecutive weeks uh, on the ladies tour. So congratulations to Stacey Lewis, her 13th career victory at the Scottish uh, Ladies Open. We should mention as well, Royal Troon, one of the great courses, one yes. of the, not just um, in the United Kingdom, but worldwide. Of course, the, the, the site of that infamous open championship uh, between Phil Mickelson and uh, and Henrik Stenson, one of the great all-time major tournaments, not just open championships. Uh, the Royal Troon Golf Course is playing host to the uh, Women's Open, the AIG Women's Open this week. So um, if you would like to watch um, golf beyond the, the, the Northern Trust and the first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs, do yourself a favour and take time to watch um, the very best women in the world play on one of the very best courses in the world, uh, the Women's Open kicking off this weekend. Hannah Green and uh, and Minwoo Lee as well. Um, sorry. Minji? Minji. Minwoo is her brother. Minwoo is her brother. Uh, yes. Both even par, T16. At the same tournament, uh, five shots off the pace. Like the fact that the scoring was very, very close across the, uh, across the entire uh, competition at the Ladies Scottish Open as well. Some big news about the Masters. Walk us through it, Drew. It's probably not unexpected, but all no. the same bit. Yeah, no fans for the Masters. I think it's going to be the tournament that stands out the most as having no fans. I think up until now, we've probably been okay with it. Even at the PGA last week, it was obviously a little bit different. But, uh, I mean, playing at, at TPC Harding Park is, um, you know, it's not one of the, the, the big courses of the world. Uh, so I think Augusta National is going to be very, very different come November when we have a Masters tournament. I mean, look, the, the way the US is going, we might have two two Masters because obviously we'll return to it in April yes. uh, and we could have two without fans. But uh, this one in November will definitely be without fans. So don't know if that benefits anyone, any of the players, if they like playing in front of no fans with no crowd or, or whatever. But uh, it's it's uh, not unexpected. It's obviously a little disappointing for golf fans though. I think we will feel it 
more there than any other tournament mm. uh, this year. In many respects, I think it's been a welcome change in many respects. I think we missed it at times at the PGA Championship. Uh, I think none more so than, than Colin Morikawa's drive on 16 in the mm. final round. The Masters, though, there's something about um, the raw uh, that, that travels across the property when someone goes on a run. Mm. Um, you know, it had players looking over their shoulder last year when Tiger started around Amen Corner. Yeah. And it, and it almost became inevitable, the run that he went on. And obviously, the scenes that we had for the two or three minutes after he, he dropped the putt on 18, uh, unlike anything we've ever seen um, in golf and amongst the best scenes we've seen celebrate celebratory wise in sport. Mm. Imagine um, uh, if that were to take place, his comeback victory at Augusta national this year. And there was no one there. I think we will feel it more in this tournament than any other. I completely agree. I completely agree with you. I think it's going to be very odd, put it that way. Uh, Drudes, we should look ahead just briefly before we wrap up. Uh, we, we have mentioned a couple of times the first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. The Northern Trust, TPC Boston, $9.5 million. Yeah. If you don't mind, Patrick Reed, the defending champion. Uh, lots on the line. I mean, we, we make light of the FedEx Cup uh, on, on this podcast uh, often um, and, and with, with great creative license, but... There is a lot on the line. There's no doubt about that. It's a, it, it's a format designed entirely by and for the players and, and they've made it so. Uh, and, and it all starts this weekend, the Northern Trust at TBC Boston. Yeah, oh, look, this is the part where I suppose, you know, there's big money on the line uh, for, for the next three, obviously. Uh, we'll, we'll head, well, we've got the first one this week. Um, and then we move on to the, the, the remaining two and the prize money only increases. I think it's at 15 million for the last mm. event or something astronomical like mm. that. So it's quite, it is quite, um, quite phenomenal. I mean, JT's obviously wrapped up the Wyndham rewards as part of that. So he's already won $2 million. So he's going absolutely okay. So, but uh, East Lake, um, you know, is going to be massive uh, again this year. So it's going to be, Three very interesting, um, three very interesting weeks. I know you said that we make fun of it a lot, and and it is you know neither here nor there. But it will be very, uh, it will be very interesting to see how this plays over the next three weeks. I think they kind of feel like mini majors these way in in a way. I think everyone's looking forward to seeing the best of the best be in contention for uh, three weeks of of golf, um, which will be very exciting, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to it kicking off this week. Quirky one to keep your eye on, and this is this is the only one I wanted to flag going into the tournament. Uh, four players have an opportunity to take the number one ranking in the world heading into this tournament. Mm-hmm. Who are they? To take it, yes. Well, I think John Rahm went back to number one, didn't he? He did. So, so John Rahm is currently. Um, as per the OWGR rankings, mm. he is the number one ranked player in the world. He can obviously... Um, well, is he one of the four? He's not one of the four. <laughs> he can retain it, but he can't take it. There are four players, though, pending on their and other results this weekend, uh, have the opportunity to take the world number one spot from John Rahm. Well, Justin Thomas. Correct. Will, will be one. Correct. Um Rory McIlroy can't be too far off. He is another one of the four, yes. Um, who else is up and about in the top few players in the world? I don't even know who's popped up. I had a look at the, the top 10 the other day and there were some names in there that I was like, are you really in the top 10 in the world? <laughs> I don't know who are the other two. Dustin Johnson? Yeah, I was going to say DJ and then I thought, don't say it. You'll sound like a dickhead. The fourth one? Yeah. If it's Webb Simpson or something. It's not Webb Simpson. Uh, and this... This is another, I think, feather in his bow for how astronomical the rise has been, is Colin Morikawa. Is that right? Has an opportunity to wow. take the number one spot in the world uh, this weekend, which, which is quite amazing. Obviously, he didn't play this week. Uh, so I believe um, the Northern Trust is his 28th career start where he could take world number one, which is phenomenal. 
yeah, that that is quite phenomenal, actually. Um, I mean, look, that is that's that's wide. When you when you say the other few names that I uh, that we just mentioned there, that's for his name to be in contention after twenty eight starts is is something very very special. So uh, I look forward to the cuts, obviously happening one twenty five and then seventy and then thirty will be quite interesting to see who makes it. Uh, obviously. Um, a couple of Aussies on that sort of cut line there. What's I mean, your favourite cut? Is it is it one twenty five to seventy or seventy to thirty? Seventy to thirty. Yeah, I, I love seventy to thirty. I just seventy thirty is brilliant. Yeah, but without disrespect to anyone in that seventy to one twenty five bracket, there's a lot of people making up numbers. Yeah, there's a bit of fat there. Yeah, there's no doubt a bit of fat there. And I know the the one twenty five to seventy is a bigger cut than seventy to thirty, yeah. but it I, I but feel like more you, cut. yeah, the, you lose a lot more because Brooks Kepka's not in the top thirty at the moment. Yeah, we. <laughs> so that's that's quite phenomenal. So, if, yeah. so for him to actually be playing at East, like he has to play well in the next two weeks. Yeah, that's the only part that I kind of like about the FedEx Cup. Yeah, is when there's big name players on the bubble. Uh, and so. I absolutely love it. Yeah, the the cut from seventy thirty to mine is way more interesting. But there's still, uh, I think, plenty to keep your eye on this weekend, and not least of which that that chase for the number one spot in the world rankings. Drews, that probably does us. Yeah, I think it does. I think for this week. A few uh, topics in there. <laughs> yeah, we've covered a bit of ground. Uh, not least of which hopefully giving people a little bit more context than they previously had on Jim Herman. Jim Herman, the creator uh, of Sesame Street. Yeah, we might <laughs> sure we'll be talking about him again at some alternate field event next year yeah. where he wins his fourth BGA Tour victory. Uh, climbing ever might so go close ahead of Rory, yeah. Well, ever so close to the Ricky. Um, he's... he's He's on Ricky six oh. there at three victories, and certainly would be at four. So uh, that's that, that's the, that's the measure by which we. That's <laughs> our yardstick. That is, is our yardstick. Is is Ricky uh, over under Ricky uh, career victories? So uh, I still think Jim will finish under, but it, it should make Ricky a little bit nervous, and certainly does um, for his fans, uh, myself and yourself, being told. Drew, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, thank you for sticking with me. Um, thank you for sticking with us. If you are still listening, uh, we will be back. Are we back later this week or have we just got the one this week? We'll just be one this week. We'll be back next week to, to wrap up uh, the first week of the FedEx Cup playoffs to find out who got cut. Glad you tell me what to do. You just tell me what time and where I need to be and I'll be. Eight o'clock. Excellent. Good man, Drew. So catch you next week.